Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Believe in SESU Basketball here on the Believe Podcast Network. It's a place with a show for every team in San Diego and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? On this episode, we're going to look at how we can change the landscape of women's basketball. And so, without further ado, here we go. As always, if you like the show, please drop a rating and subscribe on iTunes. We're also available wherever podcasts can be found. So last week, we dove into how college basketball and the recruiting side would have to change, in my opinion, just based on the ever-evolving growth of the upcoming class of recruits. Every year, more knowledge is is passed down to the next generation, and every year, these kids grow up with a wider depth of knowledge both on and off the court. And the same recruiting tactics that we're used to, that maybe you or I grew up being accustomed to hearing or reading about, is going to have to change. And uh, it's a great opportunity for a mid-major like San Diego State to really be a leader in the forefront and try to capture this small window of opportunity where we can really stand out when you were compared to the big name schools. And that brought me to another thought, and that was pertaining to the world of women's basketball. Now, for me, admittedly, I did not fully understand the scope of women's basketball until I was able to participate in it for a couple of years in college, and I got to see the... Um, exactly what goes on now overall when it comes to any sport college or pro and what you read on in the media uh, whether it's articles about somebody's legendary work ethic or maybe a coach's style during practice you read about it and you can sort of visualize how it would go you combine that with how practices are for you if you're playing youth sports growing up and maybe even through high school. So you have a general idea of what you would imagine college and pro practices to be like. So going into college, you know, high school, it was just, you know, a couple hours a day. It was, uh, we were in a smaller school. So the only time we had uh, gym time available since we're sharing with a local college, was from 6 a.m. to 8, p- 8 a.m. So just a couple hours a day, you shower, you go to class, and, and that was that. And you kind of assumed, you know, it wouldn't be too much different just because, um, you know, you still have to go to college class, you still have um, extracurricular activities, clubs, et cetera, et cetera. It was really hard to get a sense of what college athletics was going to be like for me so this isn't even just a male sport versus women's sport kind of thing it was just a college sport kind of thing and so when I got into it and seeing the three-hour practices a day plus the classes plus the film plus 
you know, recovery and plus workouts and weights. I thought that that was all sort of like, oh, Tuesdays and Thursdays is weights and Monday, Wednesday, Fridays is practice and Saturdays are the games, et cetera, et cetera, rinse, wash, repeat. But you are trying to cram so much into one day and on top of that, focus on being a student that it really opened my eyes. And what really further expanded that view was just the level of effort that these group of girls put forth. You know, it wasn't just a couple players here and there shooting around after practice. It wasn't just a couple players getting their, their, uh, maybe a pre-workout before the practice or their own little shooting session. It was every single, or at least it felt like every single girl was finding time to work on their craft on top of going to practice. They were finding time to sit together and talk about the game on top of film sessions. They were finding time to get an extra uh, weightlifting session and if maybe there was a downtime here and there. The dedication was unreal and it really helped me connect with these girls just because they inspired me. They motivated me to work out. They pushed me to keep going. And so, you know, the practice guys and myself would always uh, try to find some time before and after practice to do our own little thing. And it really pushed us and we pushed each other to be the best versions of ourselves. And it was really surprising when uh, the girls would come out and, and just play some pickup with us, which would happen very rarely. I think it only happened like three or four times the entire time I was there. But the the amount of ignorance and the amount of disrespect and um, and for in large part just unawareness, if that's even a word, that everybody else, the general public, general student body just had was incredible. I mean, you know, I passed the ball to like uh, let's say we're passing the ball to Janae it's out to the wing and, and you know obviously the, the, you're going to see the your typical college bro you know picture him however you want just assuming that oh she's just a girl um, it's a men's ball like we're further the three point line is pushed back like they're not going to make that and we would just run the table and I, honestly, I did literally nothing but run and go to the corner, which was kind of my thing in college, which is also maybe not a thing you want to be proud of uh, being known for as a when you're playing basketball. But it was incredible. So it always really surprised me about um, when it comes to things like uh, equal pay and WNBA players have been uh, fighting for uh, equal piece of the pie, similar to a, the similar business model that women's, uh, or sorry, the NBA um, kind of provides for their athletes. And, you know, the the main argument that I always see is, is well, you know, you, even from a business standpoint, the WNBA doesn't pull the same amount of money. So who are they to um, think that they're on level with the NBA? There's the silly jokes um, that a lot of immature people make. But my response to that is, if you understand the point in history which the, the women's game is at and the point in history in which the men's game is at, we understand that they didn't start the same way. 
they didn't evolve at the same rate. So it's hard to argue that they should be at the same place right now. And now, from what I understand, it isn't necessarily Sue Bird or Diana Taurasi asking for $35 million a year, which, you know, I mean, I'm sure if they offered, if it was offered, they would say yes to that. But it's just the similar business model of what, how much share of the revenue that these women will get off of concession sales, merch, tickets, jerseys, et cetera, et cetera, which makes sense. I mean, if it's, it's a proportionate business model. So for those arguing about, you know, bottom line dollars, they're going to get a smaller amount, even if it's the same piece of the pie, same proportions. So for me, I think there's going to be a, got to be a couple things that happen. One, and we're already seeing it now is a lot of the prominent athletes in the NBA, a lot of them are going out of their way, or maybe not even going out of their way, but really bringing awareness to the skill level of WNBA players. I mean, my favorite WNBA player of all time has to be Diana Taurasi, both for her on and off the court stories. But she is her and, and you know, there's players that I'm sure a lot of people don't even know about that have balled it up and is just straight out buckets once they're on the court. So it's trying to bring an awareness with the help of the NBA to the WNBA. And it's going to be, you know, a long-term plan because it's really rare for anything to be accepted just because a group of people said so. I mean, we're seeing that now um, with everything that's going on with the Black Lives Matter movement that unfortunately the society isn't just about, hey, I think this is, you know, I'm speaking up for what I believe in, please help. And the uh, people that are listening go, okay. And unfortunately, it, I wish it was that easy, but it's not. And so this is going to be a, a a long-term game and maybe not this generation and maybe not the next generation of hoopers, but maybe the generation after that. But we're starting to see that Two, I think NBA or the WNBA teams and whomever is managing WNBA athletes need to come up with a plan to try and bring more awareness to the athlete themselves. Who are they as people? What do they like to do? Um, you know, random YouTube videos, or maybe they want to get into journalism or have other um, interests. I think that is definitely worth exploring. And you really have to try and take the model that you used on your typical male athlete for exposure. And by that, I mean, just assessing how much money they'll bring in by doing these things. You got to throw that out the window. It's really important right now for the flashlight just to be shined on women's sports. And it just has to be an awareness type of thing. You're seeing it across the board. You're seeing a lot of female athletes really speaking up and using their social media platforms to you know, speak up about what they feel is right, what they feel is uh, still unfair and unjust 
and also what they just enjoy to do uh, as a hobby. But it can't just be, okay, women, you want, you know, X, Y, Z, go get it. Because, I mean, I hate to break it to anybody that maybe disagrees with that. But as you all know, we no one can ever go up the mountain alone. It takes a village to take just one person. So we're going to need a team. And it, it's just got to be like that. I mean, this upcoming WNBA season, you best believe I'm watching every single game or as, as much as I can or am physically capable of because it's just ridiculous to me to think that the uh, level of disinterest in women's sports and women's basketball is because of these stereotypical um, misogynistic characteristics like if you really love basketball if you truly care about the game i mean a bounce pass is a bounce pass good play is a good play a three-pointer is a three-pointer like every element is still there it's not like the women's game is being played with a lower hoop or a tinier court or they're like a more like weight more weighted points like a free throws were two points or some shit like that like it's the same it's the same concepts pick and roll is still pick and roll you know there's still hedges and cuts and double teams and post moves and hook shots and fadeaways and and i I don't get it like uh, it's incredible to me and what i'm hoping for is with this resurgence of the um wnba with people's hunger for sports that there's going to be more eyeballs and for that league and hopefully that that parlays down the road for women's sports and, and collegiate sports specifically and just highlights the skill that these women have so it's going to take a group effort it's going to take a lot of sacrifice um but i'm here to tell you that it's going to be worth it because at this point we're as we're learning as a society, there's a lot of things that people aren't aware of that really has an impact and has a potential for change. And that change could lead to monumental change for the better. And to steal a phrase is, you know, we got to do the right thing. We got to do the right human thing. I mean, that's, that's the biggest, um, lesson that we can learn in 2020 and how it applies to women's basketball is to keep shining the light and we can't rely on the person next to us to shine that line light for us we all have to take turns we all have to do our part and that's just how it is i mean just remember all those times where you needed help or you got help from somebody sure you know it comes down to a couple people maybe but Think about the people that helped them, which led to you getting help. You know, it, it it has a big, giant ripple effect. And I just really hope that people continue the same energy, the same vibe, and hope that in the next five to ten years, women's basketball um, gains in popularity. People start to understand that there's some bad hoopers out there just getting buckets from day one 
Um, and it's worth every minute of your time. So that's about it. Uh, thanks for sticking around. If you ever want to talk hoops, you can reach out to us at Believe Sports, and I'm on Instagram at N-A-S-G-N-A-K, also on Twitter. So feel free to give us a shout and talk hoops or just sports in general. If you're interested in advertising, please reach out to us at Believe.com. We're at Believe Sports. So thanks again, and until next time, go Aztecs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.